Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey Griefsters, welcome back. This is the start of season five, which is an incredible sentence. I I never thought we'd get here, but here we are. We are only here thanks to you listening and tweeting and emailing, spreading the word about Griefcast. I want to start by just saying thank you so much to all of you for listening. It is genuinely so appreciated. I know I say that a lot, but um, if you're new, uh, you might not have heard that. So thank you so, so much for being a part of the Griefster family. I hope you're having an okay week. That's what I say every week. I hope that the back to school feeling is doing you okay. Uh, sometimes autumn can be can be tricky or the turning of the seasons, as we say, can be hard. So I'm sending all of you lots of love and hope that today is okay as these things can be. This week, I'm joined by a woman who almost needs no introduction. You've definitely heard of her, or you've definitely heard her doing all sorts of things on the radio and on television. It is the fabulous Edith Bowman. Edith has been on Radio 1 and Radio 6, and she's hosted Glastonbury, and she's she's hosted all sorts of things. She's just generally a brilliant, brilliant person, and she's one of those people that every time you mention her, people go, oh, I love her, and that's because she's such a lovely, wonderful person. She also has her own podcast, Soundtracking, which I cannot recommend enough if you are into film and music particularly even if you're not where she interviews people about the music in their films and it's just really interesting and definitely worth a listen edith came in to talk to me about her granddad granddad bowman
Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with broadcaster and podcaster Edith Bowman. Hello. Hi. Um, Edith, I do want to talk about podcasters initially, obviously, because this is a podcast. People will know you anyway from all your amazing broadcast work. Yeah. But um, you've had such phenomenal success with soundtracking. Yeah, it's been amazing, actually. Yeah. And it came out of sheer frustration. I was going to ask you, so it wasn't... Yeah, how did it come about? So I was doing a, a show on... I got asked to go and do a show on Six Music with yeah. Adam Buxton, King of Podcasts. King of Podcasts. Um, and we were only ever supposed to do six shows together oh, right. to kind of fill a slot. And we ended up doing six months. And then Adam had to go off because he had all these bugs planned and yeah, stuff and yeah. he had a lot of stuff coming up. So he was like, I can't commit to any more. So then I got to do the show on my own for a bit. Um, and it was kind of open-ended in terms of this might last a month it might last yeah. anyway I ended up doing it for another six months and then they were changing the slots around but then what they did was they gave me this one hour slot sporadically yeah um so it was like that's quite oh, hard yeah it's weird it's a job. most people I think don't realize how like the that's quite a freelance broadcast yeah. so it's terrifying yeah. um, uh, and frustrating but equally can be rewarding when you end up doing what I've ended yeah. up doing and so Myself and this guy, Ben, we kind of devised this sort of loose thing where we would speak to people in film and TV about mm. music. But it had to be very contained and very specific because of Six Music's remit and yeah, their yeah. listeners and things. So, you know, they kind of gave me three shows in March and then four shows in October. Oh and I was God. like, guys, I could give you a show every week with this yeah, because yeah. I've, I've, I do so much work in the film world that yeah. I could get you, a, we could get a guest every week. And they were like, we just don't have the slot. So I was like, can I swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> you can so, so I did. It took a while to kind of work out how you do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another Ben, Ben Walker, was really kind. He works with Dermot on Dermot's radio show and stuff. And so he met, he helped me sort of set up the kind of framework and the, you know, the kind of boring businessy side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And how you actually set up podcasts. And then we approached people about coming on board. And the first ever interview that we recorded for it was with John Favreau. Wow, that's and a it, light first guess. I know, isn't it? yeah, and and, um, and but what was great was that he quite clearly from the start of the interview had never really been asked about music before. Uh, yeah, I think that's obviously why you've hit that strange niche that podcasts hit. That music is sometimes so often overlooked with filmmakers, well, isn't it? Yeah, and so he kind of like his little face lit up, oh. and he kind of just started spewing out all these great stories. And obviously, he'd just done Jungle Book, which he'd kind of had to rework all these iconic yeah. pieces of music from the original. And so having him in the bag was like brilliant. All right, now we can go to yeah. And so we actually had Ben Wheatley was our first ever episode. Um, we're now on this week's going to be episode one hundred and fifty. Wow. Yeah, we've missed two weeks since we launched August 2016 for that whole time. We've wow. managed to put out an episode every week. Um, That's because this was December 2016, or November go. 2016 we started, but we're on episode 88, I think. Um, I've had lots of gaps. <laughs> I did have You've a, baby had a baby two weeks after yeah. I, I launched it, which is not good business yeah. plan. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't really think about I wasn't like, hey, I'm launching. I was like oh, I'm just going to put four episodes on SoundCloud and then forget about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had no idea what it was going to be when yeah, we... Mad, and we kind of it? just... We found that we had a, a very small audience to start with, but a really passionate one. Yeah. And I just loved 
recording the interviews yeah, more than anything yeah. you know and it's just me and ben that do it i book all the guests yeah i take my little recorder and go and record the the audio i send it to him and he edits it and he's a master when it comes to you know weaving in the little bits of music that we're allowed to play and stuff but then we make a playlist on spotify so that people can hear the tunes in their entirety oh, cool. yeah, yeah. in the order we play them and stuff um but we found really quickly that like you say there was people really wanted to talk about yeah. it. And what I love about the fact that we aren't tied to a, a radio station or whatever yeah. or a traditional broadcaster is that it means our goalposts can be very wide yeah, amazing, and we're not yeah. restricted on who we talk to. That's what it's like, exactly the same with this show. I always think I'd never pitched it to Radio 4, but if I had, I you know, you know you would have got that. Okay, it needs to be six episodes. It needs to be this recognisable yeah, person. and This length. Yeah, and this length as well. And what I love is you get, obviously it's great to talk to people who are well-known, obviously, because that, you know, they have a, a larger reach and that story can be really spread. And yeah. That's lovely. But I just, when I think of the people whose stories we would have missed yeah, because they were, inverted commas, not well-known enough, I think, God, that would be terrible if that yeah. person hadn't had a chance. Totally. Because that story was so, and so helpful and so useful, so interesting. And, and even that element and that side of things that you don't, they don't normally get a chance to talk about what yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So we had a, a brilliant female music supervisor on called Sarah Bridge who has worked on some brilliant things Theory of Everything and that big um, Idris Elba series on Sky Gorilla um, and then lots of other little things but it was an we got an amazing response to that because people hadn't really heard what the role of a music supervisor is and if you're a film fan it's brilliant to for me, because I'm, I mean, the reason I do it is because I'm so nosy and I love film and I love music. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's a bit of a kind of, I feel like I'm at school sometimes with the best lecturers in the world <laughs> just kind of telling me stories about what they do and their yeah, experiences. Yeah. So that's what I love about it, just having a chat with people about things I'm into. Yeah, well, it's hugely successful and you should definitely listen to it. But Thanks. sadly, that is not why you're here yeah. in my room today, sadly, to think, talk about fun But music. also, I mean, I think what you're doing as well is is just... It's so needed and it's such a healthy thing that you're doing, oh, I think, as well. You. Just you know, encouraging people that it shouldn't be something that's brushed under the carpet and by... My mum has a great fi- um, phrase, which is better out than in. Oh, yeah, my mum says that as well. And yeah, it's so yeah. true. Better out than... Yeah. yeah, it's funny, though, isn't it? Like you said, both of our topics are quite niche. Initially, you'd think, ooh, who wants to listen to that? And then the more you talk about it, more you go, like you said, there's a need for people to express this thing that they're not allowed, yeah. if it's music or death, whatever it is, yeah. it's like people going, oh, I thought no one else cared. And the joy of podcasting is you're like, no, actually, you and quite a lot of other people <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who are we remembering today? My granddad. Your granddad. And what was his name? His name was um, Alexander Bowman. Oh, but, that's a great name. But he got called Eck. Eck. Yeah, which is uh, it's quite because the Alexander went through like there was like four generations of Alexander uh, Bowman's. Yeah, so everyone had a slight variation <laughs> on it. So his dad was um or his great his granddad was Alexander, then he was Eck. My dad is Alexander but it was Sandy. My brother's Alexander, but he's Alec. So it's kind of it's hilarious wow. how these Yeah. But he was granddad Bowman to everybody. Yeah, granddad Bowman. Yeah. Oh that's adorable. Eck. Yeah. I've never heard that short nickname of Alexander before. Yeah. I Ek, like it. Ecky Bowman, yeah. Ecky Bowman. Yeah. It really suits the Scottish accent yeah, totally, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it so suited him as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and he was like a, sounders. Yeah. He was like a third parent to me, really. Oh. Um, because my mum and dad... So my mum's from a really big family. Seven daughters, all beginning with E. Whoa. Yeah. So that's why you're Edith, is it? No, weirdly, oh. I'm named after my dad's mum. 
Oh, just a coincidence. So, yeah, mum grew up in in this huge family and my granddad, my other granddad, was a bit of a kind of... He wasn't an Arthur Daly. That's a really unfair thing to say about him. But he was kind of he was an entrepreneur, is right. how I would describe him. Yes. He was a he was a joiner by trade, but he had a little cafe. Then he had a laundrette. Then he had a grocery shop. Fingers and then, pies. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. he had this little um, minister's manse that he turned into a six bedroomed B and B. That then over time became this fifty bedroomed hotel. Wow. That we kind of grew up around and involved in, yeah. and because mum and dad worked so much that my granddad pretty much brought me up. Wow. He babysat for me, I mean, all the time. There's a, a kind of, uh, my mum always talks about, she's still got the Silver Cross pram, you know, one of those oh, old those school, big, giant, giant bouncy yeah, things yeah. Um, that he went through two <clears throat> sets of wheels on, wheel rubbers on, because he walked to me so much as a kid. Oh, my God. And then when so I... So it's your mum's dad? My, this is my dad's dad. Oh, it's your dad's dad, sorry. Okay, yeah, my yeah. dad's dad. And so he, um, yeah, and so, and then I would spend every weekend at his house, which was the next village along from us. I was from Anstruther. He lived in Pittenweem, which is like a mile along the road. And yeah, I would, my dad would drop me off on a Friday after school because um, weekends were the busiest time at the hotel. And yeah. then he'd pick me up on a Sunday night. So I'd spend wow. every weekend along there as well. And was he, so was... Um, Eck, is that correct? Granddad Bowman. Granddad Bowman, yeah. I feel bad, so rude. Um, was Granddad Bowman married? Was his wife around at this time? So his wife died right. giving birth to my aunt when my dad was three. Oh my goodness me. So he was in the Navy yeah. and he met his wife in my gran, Edith, down in Plymouth. She worked in a department store down there. Wow, glamorous. And they got married and they lived down there. They had my dad down there. And then she passed away giving birth to my aunt, Edith. Oh, wow. So then he moved back up to Scotland um, because my granddad also had a quite a big family. Yeah. They were all up in Pittenweem in that area. So he moved back up with my dad and my aunt <gasps> and the family kind of helped bring my dad up. Wow, so, that must have been so hard at that time. Yeah, and it, and it's kind of weird because he, you know, from listening to your podcast, so many people talk about that generational thing of people not talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And my dad and my aunt weren't really allowed to ask about her. Yeah. And weren't really allowed, wasn't allowed to, I don't think anyone said to them, you can't talk but about it. Just it wasn't It was just that air of, you don't talk about it. And... I don't know what it was. I was his first granddaughter, his right. first grandchild. And we formed this incredible bond kind yeah. of immediately. And they named me Edith and stuff. So we had this brilliantly open relationship of communicating. And I remember when I first moved down to London and my aunt brought him down. Oh, wow. Um, to visit me. And... I, he slept in my bed. It was a tiny little one-bedroom flat. He slept in my bed and we slept on the sofa bed in the living room and we sat up chatting. And we had quite an, a kind of brilliantly kind of honest, open chat. And I told her stuff about her mum that she didn't know about Whoa. because so he told being you. a kid and being inquisitive and yeah. wanting to know stuff, I would just ask him things about her and he would talk to me about it. So it was amazing to be able to pass that on to my aunt about her mum, who she never met. She was, you know, she was newborn when she died. Oh, that's so And sad. my dad as well, you know, he was three. Um, 
So that was a lovely thing to be able to do. That's amazing that I guess that distance that you provided yeah. of not being like I'm not having to tell you about your mother. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you about, oh, gra- what was grandma like? Yeah. You know, it's sort of this separate entity yeah. and it's a bit easier to talk about. That He obviously found it a bit easier to talk. And I guess like you said, you probably asked direct questions like, where is she? Yeah. Like, and what happened? He, When I was eight, he had, a, he had a stroke. Right. And so he was told that he would last six months. And he lasted, am I, 20 years or something? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was wow. crazy. Uh, he was such a strong character. And he ended up, when he got older and his sister, who he lived with, passed away, he moved in with mum and dad. So he was in our house, yeah. like, all the time. And I have this amazing... So I'm, I, when I'd moved to London, you know, I'd go back and the, he'd be the first person I would want to yeah. see and that I would see. But I sat him down um, a couple of years before he passed away and filmed him. <gasps> Oh, my God. Yeah, and we just sat, and I sat, and I started off by typing it out as he mm. was talking. And he sat in this rocking chair in my bedroom, and we just talked about his earliest memory up till that very day. Wow. And I haven't been able to watch it yet. Yeah, yeah. We So, so when did he die? So he passed away 2003. Okay, yeah. On Christmas Eve. Oh. And I've got the, um. so I've got him with me, see, because this yeah. is my necklace and my ring. Or his ashes. Wow. So I have the... Can I see the ring? Is yeah, that okay? Yeah, of course. Wow. So it's got a little inscription. So did someone just put them into a ring? So my mum actually gave me the necklace as a present. So he was... Beautiful. This is another slightly funny kind of kids not understanding, you know, kind of death and all yeah. that kind of thing. But he... Um, I remember... I don't know what... I think it must have been around. So my other granddad passed away when I was like nine and prior to that I'd lost a, a little cousin she was a year older than me she was eight and I was seven um all to cancer and wow. so I'd kind of been I'd, I'd had an experience of people yeah, passing yeah. away quite early on and I remember talking to granddad Bowman about it and sort of saying about you know kind of almost like well you're never going to leave me sort of thing and where are you going to get buried yeah yeah and he was like well I'm not getting buried I'm going to get cremated and I was like, A, what's that? And B, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Because how am I going to come and say, come and talk to you? Yeah. And the reasoning for him wanting to be cremated was because he wanted his ashes scattered with his wife's down oh. in Plymouth. Oh. And so when he did pass away, um, we did that. We all went down to Plymouth and, and scattered his ashes. And we also buried some with his family in mm. Pinweem. And mum kept some. And so she got this made for me. And then with it, you got like a little pot of extra ash. It's so morbid, but it's brilliant. And so I've got this ring made with it. So, yeah. And do you wear that every day? Every day. I mean, I wear the necklace every day, not the ring, but I wear the necklace every day. Wow. Yeah. How does it feel to have that? Like, what do you get from that necklace in a way? Um, I kind of feel safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that makes sense. Because I I think part of me hasn't really dealt with him... I can feel myself welling up thinking mm. about it. Um, I don't think I've dealt with him dying. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, especially somebody who was with you for so long and such a big part of your life. I think it takes a long time. It's like, funny as well when someone's old your whole life as yeah, well. Yeah, who's, like, who's had times in your life where you think he's going yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was with him when he died. My aunt and I were with him. Wow. Um, we, we he, you know, he was old, and he'd, he was, you know, he'd just come to the end, mm. and so we knew he was, um, he was on his way out. Was and he in Scotland at this? He point? was in Scotland, yeah, yeah, and he was in, in a kind of, um, he didn't have, he didn't have an illness, 
Yeah, it was yeah. just old age. Yeah. And I can't even, I don't even know how old he was. I think he was about 90. Wow. Or definitely heading towards his 90s. But he was in this kind of, you know, this, not, it wasn't a, a, a hospital, it wasn't a hospice. It was, I don't really know what it was. Um, it was lovely and the staff were amazing and he wasn't in there for long. But it was the right place for, for yeah. him to be sort of thing. And he wanted to be there. But we uh, we went to see him and we kind of knew it was it was kind of it was coming and so we went and got candles and pictures and I got a CD player and played he used to sing Al Jolson songs to my dad oh. and stuff when he, my dad was a kid and to us and so I went and got that and had the music playing and stuff and we just sat with him and he just he just drifted off wow. and it was amazing and I'm so glad that I was there with my aunt as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean, it's really important for her, I think, because of, you know, the way that she'd lost her mum. Yeah, God, that is so hard. Um, so, yeah, it was that was amazing. And then I think because it happened at Christmas as well, it was slightly... In our world, Christmas was very different to other people's because we worked on Christmas Day oh, in the wow. hotel because we served, like, Christmas lunch yeah, to, like, 300 yeah. people. So even when I was down here and doing telly, I'd still go home and waitress on Christmas Day. <laughs> You know, it was kind of what was expected of you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that was just, I just kind of, I locked myself away, to be honest. So that was Christmas Eve 2003. So you just slipped away on Mm. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not many deaths that are that peaceful that I hear about. You know what I mean? That's kind of incredible, isn't it? And it must have been, like you said, so, you must have felt so privileged to have been there. Yeah, totally. I think that that almost kind of helped me helped me deal with the fact that, you know, I knew it was going to be a massive void. Yeah, yeah. But being with him when he, and seeing how peaceful he was and how easy it was for him. And it was his time. Yeah. And I knew that he was, you know, he was desperate to get back to her. That is, like, that is an enduring Because he never had another partner or girlfriend the whole time. That, wow. uh, yeah, which is quite—I think that is unusual at that time as well. Yeah, maybe that's a sweeping generalization, but I feel like you know, the mortality rates were higher, and the you know you did die younger. And yeah, it, I suppose it was especially men. I hate to say it, but yeah. it's like statistically much more common that men do remarry. Just, just facts. Yeah. Um. So that whole time, he obviously yeah. just was completely heartbroken for her. Yeah. Oh, that Amazing, is like isn't it? so beautiful, yeah. and had um. Like when you went to spread those ashes, had had your dad and your aunt been back to that? Yeah, yeah, they. And had. we went as we went as kids down there because my my gran had a sister called Wynne. So yeah, we used to go down and visit Auntie Wynne and stuff, oh. and 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 kind of visit. My dad would visit his mum's grave. Wow, so you still had that connection. Yeah, down my granddad there. didn't go down that much though. Yeah, it must have been so mm. painful, and especially said that if he'd never really talked about it, then. Yeah. That grief must have been absolutely frozen in time. Of just yeah. like it's weird. It's like you know, and the thing that I didn't ask him was why he didn't talk about it. Yeah, was it because people didn't know how to talk to him about it, mm. or they didn't want to talk to him about it because they didn't want to upset him, mm. or was it because he asked them not to? You know, it's that thing of like, yeah, it's so what, hard, what, isn't it? Yeah, because you know, when you know that someone's passed away that's close to someone, it is a tricky conversation to navigate you know it's kind of you want to be considerate you want to be helpful yeah but especially in such tragic circumstances and he's you know left holding the baby literally yeah so I guess it's just of that time people just were like oh well you have to carry on yeah and and there was such a focus from what I've gleaned on bizarrely it's sort of healthy in some ways of like just moving forward which is 
in some ways, it's a, a good attitude, you yeah. know, in times of war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep going forward. But yeah, to not acknowledge the the pain that he must have felt, it must yeah. have been so. But then I guess he was surrounded by people with deaths and losses and things yeah. like that and yeah. yeah you know mother's mortality was much higher in yeah, those yeah, days, yeah. wasn't it so I guess people just were like it's a terrible thing that happened okay let's just move on yeah but what I can't that just that journey living in Plymouth with you know a son and a baby and then having to take them all back to Scotland yeah and that must have been so mad like so difficult for him yeah like now you think about it with now a, with, a, with a newborn with a baby newborn. and a three-year-old son yeah but I guess it's that family thing, isn't it? Like he had like yeah, yeah. three brothers and three sisters. Wow. So I guess um, they were like just come home. Like, yeah. We so it was like just everybody. Yeah. You know, kind of, and his his mum and dad were still around wow. as well up there. So everybody was in that kind of area. So, you know, the only reason he was down there was he was posted down there for the navy, yeah, yeah. which is where he met my gran and then stayed down there. But yeah. Oh my goodness! So, yeah, that's so beautiful that that's all he wanted to. So yeah. did he talk about? Um, yeah, he t- he said always that's what he wanted to yeah. happen. So he talked about his own death then. Yeah, totally. In a sort of relaxed way. Yeah, in a really relaxed way. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's really funny. And I don't know whether that's because he had also because of the stroke that he had when yeah, yeah. you know he was he was days away from like retiring. Um, he was a painter and decorator, and he had the and he was a healthy man. Mm. And then he had the stroke, and it was it was months after my brother was born, actually. So I kind of felt for my brother as well, because he didn't get the same experience with granddad yeah. that, that I'd had, sort of thing, but still had a great relationship with him. And yeah, and then he used to do this great thing. So every day, when he once he was out of hospital, when he was home in Pitt and Weem, he would walk to Anstruther along this this road from Pitwim to Anstruther. If you're kind of walking from Pitwim to Anstruther, on your left is like this amazing sprawling countryside, wow. and on your right is this is the Firth of Forth. Wow, um, it's amazing. It's yeah, kind yeah, of, it's absolutely stunning. And so he would walk this road, come you know, rain or shine, yeah. and everybody would peep and offer him lifts. And, he'd, <laughs> and he had a, he was paralysed on one arm. Oh he could walk, God. but one arm, and it, with his good arm, he just wave them on. You know, no, I'm fine, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> And then he'd come along and he would read the papers at my mum and dad's, see us when we got home from school, and then my dad would take him back along in the car for his tea. So he'd wow. do that every, like, during the week, he'd do that every day. Just so he was, you know, it was his exercise yeah. and it was his fresh air and it was a little routine. That's incredible. Like yeah, he was, he was amazing. Yeah, he sounds like a real, that's a real strength, isn't there? Yeah. Like a really, really yeah. tough. I mean that in the true sense of strength rather than like, you know, he yeah. could lift a car. Like, the, yeah, like yeah. strength, in inner strength to be like, this is what I'm going to do to survive yeah. this. So then Christmas Day, yeah, was that just a complete blur to you? That yeah, I think I just stayed in bed. Like, yeah. Whereas I would be, you know, we would be working and then opening our presents in the afternoon. And, you know, it was kind of, it was just coming to the realisation that he wasn't there. The presents that we had for him under the tree weren't Aww, going to be opened by yeah. him. And then making plans for his funeral as well, which in Scotland happens a lot quicker than it does oh, right. down yeah, here. Yeah. So we're quite slow. That's why everyone mm. who's not from England has always said to me, "We do it quicker yeah. than you do." <laughs> and at that time of year as well, it was amazing oh how God, course, quick yeah. it, we they managed to kind of get it sorted because he was, yeah, he was cremated before New Year. Wow. Yeah, I went on a bit of a bender after that. My friend Carlin came up from London. And kind of um, came up for the the cremation and stuff, and then we we drove through in 
in what could only be described as a Pearl and Dean snowstorm. <laughs> okay, you know, that yeah. kind of like yeah. from it uh, through to um, Dundee and we just went mental for two days. <laughs> just needed to like, you know, just kind yeah. of... Of course. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. Did you play music at his funeral? We didn't choose non-hymn songs yeah. at his funeral. How great they are is feels like God. Whenever I hear that song that's been played, we've lost so I've lost so many family members mm. over the years, particularly to cancer. That that feels like it's our kind of family national anthem for death. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you know. Then sings my soul, my saviour, go to thee, how great thou art. And I'm not a religious person, but there's something about that song that's kind of cemented in loss with my yeah, family. Really. Yeah, That's the only one I can remember for yeah. the day. It's weird. They played Jerusalem at my dad's funeral. Oh, wow. Was, was that a choice? Or yeah, was that... I think it was something to do with his school or something. It was a hymn he liked. I didn't know, obviously, because you don't really know what hymn your dad likes mm. at 15. <laughs> but now I find that quite weird because... You know, like they might play it on like a butter advert, <laughs> and you're like, it takes you straight back. Yeah, it takes you straight back. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked about this before. The the one, the main one I really remember is we played a Frank Zappa song, yeah. "Peaches and Regalia." Yeah, and that that really transports me because it's such a weird piece of music. Whereas Jerusalem will come up at all sorts of times. You Would know? you ever choose to put Zappa on then to um, to I, be a to have a moment yeah I, I've chosen to listen to not not that song so mm. I've chosen because he really loved Frank Zappa so I've chosen to listen to um, I really liked which is oh, I'm a bad <laughs> Frank Zappa person but it was like it's called the commercial album or something and it's all the really cheesy ones mm-hmm. so it's like Ye- Yellow Snow and um, Dancing Fall I love that one mm. but Peaches and Magal I think I've only ever chosen to listen to about three times it's come on and I've literally like leapt across the room and like pressed pause on the laptop. Really? What will it do to you, do you think? Yeah, or I is think... is the fear of what it will do to you, do you think? I think because the 
because that track, so like Yellow Snow, obviously, it's like a pop song. Mm. So it's like, oh, Fangs Up, and my dad like Fangs Up, but them listening to a pop song. And he was he was a DJ, so he was really into oh, music. Wow. So there's lots of there's lots of songs mm-hmm. I could be afraid to listen to. Yeah. But because Peaches of Regalia is, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's almost classical, you know, it's like so, like, doom, doom, like it's got this huge sort of beginning. So I think the music itself is quite emotive anyway, yeah. without the memory. So then I hear it and I think, oh gosh, what's this song? And then I remember being in church and then I remember like it filling the church. And it, I think it literally feels like overwhelming because yeah. it's just, it's almost just too much. It's just yeah. like, oh God, like, uh, you know, especially if like you're, you know, just working, your laptop's just mm-hmm. playing. You're like, oh no, no. It's like somebody saying, do you want to go to church right now? And you're yeah. like, no, I'm just, I'm just like watching telly. Like what, what's happening? So yeah, I think, but then I did, I have chosen to listen to it and I did this gig this funny old gig, which, which is lovely, um, where three people choose three songs that meant something to mm-hmm. them and, and they did it at Wilton's Music Hall. Oh, God. One track? One track mind? Sorry, I remember the lovely people who run it would be like, please say the name, Karen. Um, <laughs> I think it's called One Track Mind. All sorts of people, not you know, it's not comedians, it's like writers and producers and actors and doctors and they just choose a track that yeah. means something to him. And it was at Wilton's Music Hall and they asked me what track and I chose that one. I was like... Slightly like, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. But I wanted, I think I wanted to hear it yeah. in a big room again. Yeah. That's actually what, selfishly, I was like, don't really want to talk about it, but I want to hear it in a yeah. big space again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that music is so powerful. Yeah, totally. It's like, I mean, that's the, the it was amazing the, what, bringing those CDs and putting like that Al Jolson yeah. CD on in that room with him when he was going, just did to the whole atmosphere in the room. And also... You know, he wasn't sort of, you know, chatting or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And so it was kind of, you could almost sense that it sort of, it kind of calmed him down. I was doing yeah. some stuff the other day for Nordoff Robbins. That's this wonderful music therapy charity. Oh. They have centres all around the UK and, and music therapists that they work with who either work in the centres or they go out to hospitals and work with children, all that kind of stuff. And this mum, Emma, was talking about her little boy, Charlie, who was born with Down syndrome. And then when he was three, he was diagnosed with leukaemia. Wow. So he had to spend six months in hospital having treatment and he would just have really, really hard, hard times of of being really anxious and agitated yeah. and kind of scared. And she said she found that um, she just kind of grabbed her phone and for some reason Pavarotti's greatest hits oh. came up. She hit play and it just instantly calmed him wow. down. And so from that point on, they knew that music was going to be something that was going yeah. to help him both kind of physically but also just kind of mentally for for them as well it was incredible to sort of hear her talk about that as well but yeah it's, music's it's it's it can do so it's such a such a provocative thing as yeah, well yeah 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 because you can choose a piece of music that you know will make you feel a certain way mm-hmm. yeah you can talk to yourself <laughs> basically yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah, definitely do you ever find yourself do you listen to Al Jolson since then yeah yeah. yeah, and it makes me smile. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it makes me feel... And then weirdly this morning on this bus to school, taking the kids to school, and um, but the four of us were walking to school, which is so nice that we can do that, you know, on rare days where everyone's around. And I was walking up to the bus stop with Rudy, my oldest, and my husband Tom was walking with Spike. And then we got to the bus stop and Spike and I got a seat together and Tom was down the front with Rudy. And Spike just came next to me and started talking about... He said... Um, did you ever meet your great great granddad? 
and I was like, God, where's this? Weirdly, when I was coming here today, yeah. and I was like, I only met one of my great granddads, um, and so I was telling him about it, and he's like, did I ever meet any of my? And I was like, no, Rudy met one of his great grandmas, but not. So anyway, and then he started talking about my granddad, and he wanted to see pictures of HMS Jarvis, the boat that he'd been on, oh, wow. and the navy, and it was just like the most. Kids are so. And that was and today as well on your way here. Morning. That's funny, it isn't it? so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre. So I'm going to say, so did your, oh, I'm so bad at maths, did no. they meet him? Uh, no. no. No, they okay. didn't meet him, yeah. And were no. you were you married? I, I wasn't then? with Tom at the time wow, either, so Tom yeah. never met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that death, obviously it was significant, like, do you feel like, what changed for you? Because, like, obviously after that, you like you say, you become married and you have kids. Yeah. Was there was it linked to that or not at all? Or? So for for a good year after he passed away, because he passed to the Christmas of 2003, we were just going into 2004, and then Tom and I started going out the May of 2005. Oh, wow. And so, but for I, for pretty much a year, I just kind of went a bit mental. Mm. It's um, very common. <laughs> and how did you? How did that manifest? Like, what were you doing? Just going out a lot. Or? Going out a lot and not really thinking about myself. Mm. Not really thinking well of myself. And I remember I went to see um, this life coach guy that I'd seen a couple of times. That um, actually my friend Mark had recommended him to me to help deal with just kind of where I was and yeah, what I was doing. Yeah. And he wasn't kind of like, you should see this guy. He's like, yeah. if you feel like you want to speak to someone, this guy's great. So I went to see him. I saw him once. And then the second time I saw him, which was in a different sort of centre kind of place. It was try yoga actually. He was in, <laughs> in Primrose Hill. And um, I don't even really know what it was that he did, but he had me lying down on a bed and we just talked about a few things. And then he says, okay, just lie down and close your eyes. And he did, I think it was some kind of Reiki thing he yeah. was doing on me. But I felt this physical kind of wave of grief. Wow. Not, I mean, I don't know if it was grief or what it was, but this kind of wave of emotion that just kind of engulfed me. And I was like uncontrollable, like just sobbing. Wow. And I had, I mean, I cried a lot when he died. Yeah. Like over those next few days and at his funeral and stuff, I found it really hard. And then I almost kind of like tried to sort of, I think I tried to go, okay, I've done that now and I need to, and then I just, I drunk loads and I kind of went out loads Mm. and didn't stop for a while. And then this kind of experience with this life coach guy, I felt a lot better and I felt, I felt like I needed to take a bit more back mm. a bit of control again. Had you been talking about it in that year? Or had you been like, no, I'm just having a great time and sort of hiding behind that? I think just hiding behind that. Yeah, yeah. And did people ask you particularly? Or was the fact that it was your granddad? Because I think sometimes a lot of my guests have said that, that people are slightly like, oh, that's sad. Never mind. Because it's like, they're yeah, old. Th- yeah. They don't. Yeah. Um, Sean Harris is a brilliant comedy writer. Her, She came and talk about her mam Guy and Guy, which is mm. Welsh for grand- her yeah. grandma and grandpa. And she said... She found it so hard that people just didn't get yeah. that they had sort of raised, so they really it wasn't my, like my mates knew, like yeah. you know, hence why my you know, my mate Mark was like, yeah. you know, go and see someone and then, you know, my my really close girlfriends and stuff kind of were really sort of you know, like Carlin coming up from London for the funeral yeah. and she you know, he kind of knew how much how important he was to me. Yeah. 
and then it was just a case of and it was weird it's like you know I kind of I got into a relationship that was a silly idea and mm. so I kind of quickly realized that I needed to get out of that because it wasn't I was in it for the wrong reasons and but yeah it was I mean it's a bit of a blur that yeah that kind of year after it to be honest and I think going back to your original question of did I was I looking for something or whatever I think once I kind of got my head out the clouds I kind of like I guess I had that in the back of my head like you know my mum and dad are still together as well mm. and they've been they've been married for <laughs> 47 years now wow this yeah. is how congratulations to Mrs. Thanks, Mrs. Yeah. Yeah. that's amazing and they worked together as wow, well for yeah. a long time so and mum was like she had you know they were she was engaged at 16 married at wow. sort of 18 had me at 19 um, and my dad's you know like eight years older than her yeah um, and then you know this this amazing love that my granddad had for his yeah. wife and that lasted you know for however many years between her passing until they were reunited mm. you know I guess I had that kind of thing of trying to find my one in a yeah, way yeah yeah and I can't, and I feel like I have, you know. Tom and I have got it's it's really special, and it's it's hard work at times, and yeah. you know, as, as, <laughs> yeah. as marriages are and should be, and sort of thing. The best things, if you put the work in, you'll reap the benefits mm. for. I think so. I don't know whether I kind of had that, but it was quite instant, am- amazingly kind of instant with him, which was kind of came out. It came out of the blue, to be honest. But it was kind of like, well, this is kind of weird and different. And yeah. Um, so I don't know if there was an element, but I wish they'd met. He was very, my granddad was very funny with a few of my boyfriends that <laughs> I'd, um, one particular boyfriend I remember taking up to Scotland to meet him and he was, and he he adapted, after his stroke, he had this um, kind of directness that he'd, he'd had oh, wow. sort of, you know, he kind of no filter kind of thing. It was brilliant and slightly frustrating at times <laughs> for other people, but I found it hilarious. And so uh, my boyfriend at the time was half Greek. So, you know, he would shave, but then within six hours, he would have a bit yeah, of kind yeah. of, you know, shadow showing. And um, I remember taking him in to meet my granddad and him going, nice to meet you, son. We shave once a day up here. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> That's amazing that he became oh. more direct after the stroke. Mm. That's really interesting. I don't know whether it was some kind of, you know, yeah, some part of the brain that had been kind of yeah. heightened or some bit of it had been repressed or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but it was brilliant. It was very funny. So yeah, it must be hard that, it's hard that, I think it is hard when people haven't met people. Yeah. But then how do you, yeah, how have you kept him alive, I guess? So your kids know about him. Oh then. yeah, I've talked yeah. about him a lot. <laughs> That's um, nice. I think yeah, that's Yeah, there's really pictures nice. of him around the house yeah. and I've shown them like old footage of him. Like yeah. I've got like old cine films at Christmas time and things and birthdays. I actually started to watch the film. Interview. Yeah, with him because I want to make a short film about him. Yeah. And I know who'll play him. I've, <laughs> I've got it all in my head. So I have to watch this. I have to watch it mm. to be able to to write the screenplay for it for the short film and so I got it it was on a it was on a a CD a DVD (laughs) and I couldn't get it to play in my computer so I took it to Snappy Snaps in Hampstead (laughs) and got them to put it on a USB stick for me oh amazing it's all baby steps yeah 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 and we've all got copies you know my aunt's got a copy my dad's got a copy my brother's got a copy and, and stuff and they've all watched it um so have you tried to watch it so I watched I started watching it and then I showed Rudy some of it. 
just so he could kind of, I was like, come and see what he was like. And then he had just loads of questions and then I had to kind of stop. I just, I wasn't in the right frame of mind mm. to sort of sit and watch him. Because it's about two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's he literally... liked to talk. He was it... a good talker. And the stuff that he remembered was amazing. What was his earliest memory? He remembers things like his dad mending the fishing nets at the harbour in Pitt and Weem and them all kind of, you know, kind of kicking around at his heels. But it was things that really took my breath away that he remembered was things like the name of the lady that owned the guest house by the lake where they went to spend their honeymoon in the Lake District. Wow. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a great detail. And people's birthdays. His, as weird as memories, his, his um, long-term memory was amazing. Yeah. It was a short-term that he'd have problems it's with. quite often with a stroke, I think, isn't it? Like, yeah, things from... And which is why they music... They were just all locked in there. Yeah, and why music becomes really powerful, because that's still... You can trigger a memory from, like, 40 years ago, yeah. but when you ask what happened last week, it's like, mm. yeah. yeah, that's really vague. Yeah. So you said, like... Because it's interesting because so, oh, I wish my maths was better. So how, how long is it? 2003? Yeah. Oh, my God. How many so years is that? 16 years ago. 16 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you do about the anniversary? Because it's Christmas Eve. Do yeah. you sort of, or do you just have a little moment to yourself? And... I tend to have a little moment to myself, but I also, I, I really kind of, you know, I secretly wish my mum and dad were with me every Christmas Eve. Yeah. And they are sometimes. They yeah. have been a lot, actually. Um, particularly since I've had kids. Yeah, and what was interesting was that I think it was either the year after or two years after he passed away, mum and dad, they sold up from the hotel. And wow. so we suddenly started having these normal family Christmases. Yeah, yeah. And so that was really nice because then as a family, we could have, you know, a moment for him yeah. and just just raise a glass to him, really. And I always sort of talk about him on that day to the kids as well. Yeah. It's another way of reminding them about what we, he would do on Christmas with him, you know. Mm. Um, he'd always... On, so with mum and dad working, what we'd normally do is... And my my other grandma and grandma, God bless them, had so many families to go around. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, know what I yeah. mean? So they'd normally um, all come round to our house, like, after midnight. Right, wow. With, like, friends and stuff. And they'd yeah. wake me and my brother up and we'd kind of get up and open presents in the middle of the night sort of thing, and then go back to sleep and then mum and dad would go to work the next morning but yeah so it's kind of I think it's really nice to tell them stories and the kids seem genuinely interested in family history as yeah, well yeah yeah like, I think it's fascinating t- totally like my my um, my husband's dad's an only child and his mum is she's got two brother two sisters and a brother who all emigrated to Australia when she was 18. She was wow. just about to start university. And they, her mum and dad made the decision to emigrate. And she was kind of like, well, I'm going to stay here because I've just got this yeah. great and I want to... So she stayed and they all went. And what's great is that really we went out to Australia 10 years ago and Tom's grandma, Lucy, was still alive. Wow. So Rudy met her, which Aww. is great. His great-grandma. Yeah. And his relatives out there and stuff as well. And it's kind of, I think it's, you know, it's lovely to be able to talk about yeah. people. And and everyone's had lots of different experiences and their stories are fascinating. You know, um, Tom's mum's parents, um, you know, they were they, they escaped Poland and oh, wow. all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. 
it's kind of really interesting to make sure that, that you tell them the kind of stories of their ancestors, I think, as well. And so it's interesting because you do talk about him a lot and you've got your necklace and like mm. he's such obviously such a part of your life. But I just found it interesting that you said like you still feel like you haven't accepted it. Or, yeah. But it's, I mean, I totally get how those two things can exist. Yeah. How do you match those two things in your head? I, I think it's almost part of me feels like I don't allow myself to fully close my grief on him because mm. then it's almost me. Then he's really gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. relate to that, yeah. Because I, I used to talk about my dad a lot, as obviously I do, and then I've said this on the show before, like it was only last year my therapist was like, you never say he's dead, you say he died. And I was like what <laughs> and she was like died is quite active in a way and it's sort of like it's not it's still it's, ongoing it's still ongoing yeah and she and I realized then I was like oh shit and I thought god <laughs> I, I found and when I had to say it and I, I've practiced now so I can say my dad is dead but it still is a little bit like yeah whereas the phrase oh my dad died when I was 15 is like Oh, but few, even the way you say it is kind of like you get saying it as quick as you can. Yeah, as quick as I can, and also it sounds a bit like a character, and yeah. it's a bit story like. Like it, but like my dad is dead is like <gasps> still twentyish mm. years later, you know. And I, I totally understand. It took me ages to go. I would talk about death. I would talk about grief. I would talk about him. Would be fine. Yeah. But some part of my brain was like, no. Mm. <laughs> No, I don't want that to completely be finished because then I'm going to have to really yeah. look that in the face a bit yeah. and be like, oh. And so I've been trying <laughs> to say, he's dead and deal with it. And it's been, it's hard. I can totally see the secure the security maybe is not the right word, but like the sort of comfort yeah. of not completely closing the door. Yeah. It definitely gives that slight, like... Um, I just don't want to forget him. Yeah. And it's not like I'm going to. No, and you won't. You won't. And yeah. accepting that... It, isn't but yeah it's that funny thing that those two things exist completely side by side so yeah. someone can talk to you and be like oh no she definitely knows he's dead like you know she's yeah, doing yeah, all this yeah. stuff she talks about him and talk about grief and all this stuff but like inside you're like but maybe he's not <laughs> maybe I and did you have that in a way because I guess you moved away mm. so he wasn't always in your life do you have sort yeah. in your head like oh maybe I can still get that train and yeah there's kind of you know it's 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 weird, but it is exactly what you're saying. It's like, I know he's not coming back. Yeah. He is dead. But there is that kind of thing of, I don't know, it's weird. I'm kind of quite, I'm I'm not like a, I'm not like obsessed with spirituality and all mm, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But I kind of really appreciate all that stuff. And I really am fascinated by it. Mm. Um, and a really good friend of mine, we used to joke about her being the child whisperer because she used to <laughs> nanny for us. Oh, wow. Uh, she's just got something about her that's yeah, incredible, incredibly her. calming yeah. and spiritual. And so she's retrained and she's uh, learned all these amazing kind of alternative therapies and she's devising basically her own thing, which incorporates sound therapy, EFT, sound baths, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so she uses me as a a kind of bit of a guinea pig on things which I love <laughs> yeah yeah great um, and so you know she sees spirits and all wow. that kind of stuff and every time that I do something with her I'm desperate to see him yeah of course. I just want to see yeah. him and she's like you don't have to see him to know that he's there. there yeah yeah and so maybe part of that is part of that as well is that of not wanting to totally let go 
is in the hope that I'll have more of him if that kind of yeah. doesn't sound too weird. No, no, it doesn't at all. I know oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's, that, it's a weird thing that that the human mind can do, yeah. can allow you to have completely logical thoughts and completely illogical mm-hmm. thoughts, that, but sit them side by side. And I always had that, like, slightly wanting to see him, but then if anything happened, I'd be like, oh, God, please don't. I'd be so terrified. <laughs> I'd sort of think, oh, that would be amazing. Then if anything, like, banged, and then I'd be like, oh, God, please don't shut yourself to me. I'd absolutely <laughs> shit myself. Like, that would be so terrifying. But, yeah, I understand it's... I think that's... Well, I, you know, obviously, each their own, but I've... This process of sort of forcing myself to accept it, which it was definitely what I thought I need to do this. Yeah. And it's been really hard, but it has... It has helped in a way, and it's. I guess it's just. It's very sort of. But it is sad because what I what I've had to see is how far away he is, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's hard sometimes, especially yeah. if you've got married. So I say, yeah. um, weirdly, my husband actually met him. He was friends with my brother, so he actually weirdly met him and had a conversation with him. But you know, obviously, didn't know that he would eventually marry this man's daughter. Um, <laughs> but we didn't when we got married, and when we've had our child, like my dad wasn't around at all. And so I take great comfort in that, that he did yeah. he did know him, but I've had to accept how far I've moved yeah. from that person. Yeah. And I think that can be things like weddings and, you know, other family members' deaths and children really, really force you to go, oh, you were, they've been dead this much time. Yeah. And that can be sometimes, I think, what makes you a bit like, I, no, no, I'm still this age mm-hmm. and they're still just gone or they're yeah. just there because it's just comforting. Isn't yeah. It? it just offers a comfort. Have you, have you talked to your daughter about him yet? It hasn't come up yet. She's asked, yeah, she has asked, just said something because <laughs> amazingly, in I've noticed in books, there tends to be more grandmas than granddads. Mm-hmm. So we haven't confronted it, but she has a Miffy book where Grandad Bun brings Miffy a bear yeah. and she sort of said she said something like where's my granddad and um I just said oh you know oh well, he's not here anymore you mm. know I've tried to be sort of very honest about it and then um yeah gosh she did say something the other day it was really terrifying that she said um she said something like not this bad but she said like like oh well, I saw my granddad or something oh my granddad was in my room and he said wow yeah and I was like, what? What? Oh, wow. But I tried to be really cool because also she says things all the time. Like, there was an elephant in my room, I mean, he told <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're like, you're putting more yeah. emphasis on that. But um, the hardest question the kids have asked me is, what's heaven like? Oh, God. What did you say? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I said, I think I said something like, it's what you want it to be. Right, yeah, yeah. It's the place you want it to be sort of thing. So, and I said, so like for Grandad Bowman, it's him being back with his wife. Yeah. And then and them kind of, you know, continuing where they left off sort of thing. So I get, I get that was kind of like, because they were like, you know, they were kind of, they could see how sad sometimes it makes me talking about it. Yeah. I'm not like I'm sobbing talking about it. I mean, I try make it really positive so that they're not scared of death. Yeah. Because, you know, when I was, when I went through those experiences with my cousin when I was seven, and it was interesting because we went to the church service for Susie, but we weren't allowed at the graveyard. Wow. And I can't remember from my granddad, Clark. But yeah, and then, yeah. And then I had really weird experiences with, like, one of my best mates at school, she lost her mum when we were 18, just before we left school, actually. And that was kind of really weird. No one really talked... We didn't really know her mum was ill. We knew someone oh. was up, but 
she wasn't allowed to really talk about it. It was yeah. really weird because we'd like we were so close. Like we went to nursery school together and stuff, and then we kind of went through that sort of phase in our teenage where we kind of found different friendship groups. Yeah, so we kind yeah. of slightly drifted apart, and then we, you know, we were still best mates. But we had that weirdly that period just before mum got ill. We were slightly disconnected, and so we. It was weird. Like it wasn't you weren't. It was so many kind of rumours about what Mary was going through and and stuff, and we didn't really. Audrey and I didn't really talk about it because she wasn't. She didn't really want. Seemed like she yeah. wanted to. But then my um my uncle my uncle Brian passed away of cancer and my nana passed away of cancer within like a couple of years of each other, and I don't know it's because of what I do. You know um. A talk for a living. Yeah, yeah. Was like it was put on me to <laughs> start the conversation. No, to like at the service. Oh, yes, that's like, so common. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. So my uncle Brian, um, I like I used to sing quite a lot. I was in bands oh. and I loved singing. And my uncle Brian was one of those lovely family members who was he was like my kind of number one supporter with that sort of thing. And so I remember my aunt Evie, his wife, phoning me to tell me that he passed away and um he was an amazing man and uh she said that his one of his wishes was that I would sing at the funeral wow <laughs> I went straight to the off license and got a bottle of wine <laughs> and oh my god and then my nana what did wh- you sing I sang um I know you by heart Eva Cassidy oh yeah yeah oh Eva Cassidy I know that's G- tough totally at a funeral that's already you're already crying Flipping before heck. the first note um, and then my nana's one as well it was like like I've got like 21 cousins yeah yeah and it's all kind of like well Eid you can speak for us all I'm like really <laughs> guys I know so I had to it's... get up and like do a kind of sort of oh, God. Nana Clark eulogy based on behalf of 21 of us it's like fucking hard <laughs> really fucking hard yeah really hard and you're not the first guest that's because if you're in this business people go you can, you do, can it. do it I've had to read lots of poems lots of poems at weddings and funerals and um, I've got better because I've done so many but the first ones definitely weren't good because it's just like just because you're an actor doesn't mean you know how to read a poem at a funeral it's, yeah. it's quite difficult but um, yeah that's that's quite funny that you, you <laughs> Edith will yeah, do she'll it she'll do it she'll do it Bowman will do it so you feel um I guess you still feel very connected to him then. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice in a way. Yeah. And I don't think there's any... As I said, I've made a very... I've made a very definite choice to try and... Not close the door, but like acknowledge I'd left the door open, I think, yeah. is what I needed to do. But I don't think there's anything... I don't think it's ever with grief. There's no right or wrong. I just felt like I needed to... I was like, yeah, I probably need to... I think I I think I was lying to myself. I think I was like, oh, no, door's closed. Yeah. And it was like, carry out it. It's yeah. definitely still open. So now the door is still a bit open, but at least I know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I've got this footage of him and I almost kind of want to, I want to make this little film. Yeah. Which will, I think, will be my kind of, yeah, my closure, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not on him, but just the acknowledgement that, and, and you know, and, and, and I want to do it for my dad. Yeah. I really want to do it for my dad. I've talked to my dad about it. But it's so funny watching my dad. Like, my dad has just becoming him as well. Oh, it's really? hilarious, yeah. That's what's yeah. very strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When you see... And that's what I think as well. It, again, just with a bigger belly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, I find that quite comforting. It's like the dead don't die in a way. Like, they do live yeah. on. And I don't... When people say, oh, like, whoever remembers their name, I find that a bit frustrating because I think it, sometimes it's not about it. Sometimes it's literally someone in front of you and you're like, there they are. Yeah. 
with the memory of that person imbued in their DNA or their personality or yeah and there's ways that and I think like there's ways that he's kind of that he's remembered through like so Rudy there's my my grand so this this thing with it my granny used to, this place my granny used to walk along it's called the braes it's like a scottish term for like it's kind of by the by the seaside sort of hill type thing um really <laughs> you, need, well you would need a word for yeah. that yeah um and so we were going to Rudy was going to be called Bray was going to be oh. his name but we we got it as a middle name so he's Rudy Bray and so that's kind of my little that's lovely part of him is do you know what I mean it's like yeah. I find like I'm not making it in any kind of morbid way it's just a really nice way of remembering him yeah yeah of kind of you know if Rudy kind of 10 years in time goes why did you call me Bray again yeah you know and it's kind of there's a there's a reason for it there's a a lovely reason for it yeah, that's got a connection to someone who was really important in my life. Yeah, and what a beautiful way to remember him yeah. waving cars past you. Exactly. No, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, Edith, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For going to talk to me about Ek. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Grander Bowman to everyone. Grander Bowman. Yeah. Grander Bowman. <laughs> he sounds like a bloody legend. Yeah, he was awesome. Thank you. Thanks, love. You can follow Edith on Twitter at Edibow, E-D-I-B-O-W, and you can find her podcast Soundtracking on all the usual places. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios, and the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.